Christmas Day 20 years ago was a monumental day for Russia and for the world. Gorbachev, the last president of the Soviet Union, resigns. The red flag of communism is lowered over the Kremlin. And with that, the first ever socialist state was consigned to the dustbin of history. It was the end of an ideology and an empire. Reporter Bridget McCarthy looks at why it all came crashing down. Andrei Grachev retired from politics the day after Mikhail Gorbachev did. His final assignment as Gorbachev's press secretary was to tell the International Press Corps that the Soviet Union was no more. Somebody compared my role in those days to a character in the medieval theater who is switching off the light once the play is over. There are lots of theories for the Soviet Union's sudden demise. But how does an insider like Andrei Grachev explain it? I think it died from inside. And not as a result of external pressures or enemies. Grachev thinks the times of greatest conflict, the Second World War and the Cold War, actually strengthened the Soviet state. The most dangerous phases for the regime were the periods of detente, of peaceful coexistence, the periods when uh, the external threat could not be used as the justification for the persecution of dissidents and internal opposition. The Soviet Union's chief vulnerability, he says, was a structural one. It was a huge multi-ethnic empire. The great historic paradox of the Bolshevik Revolution was that when uh, most of the world empires were breaking up, it was this new project, the communist project, especially maybe with the internationalist message, which amazingly helped the former Russian empire to survive in the form of a new, rejuvenated, revolutionary state. The Bolsheviks were the first Marxist party ever to seize state power. They promised to build a workers' paradise and a common motherland for all the nations. But by the 1930s, the dictatorship of the proletariat had turned into the dictatorship of Joseph Stalin. And the Soviet state came to resemble the vast imperial system it had overthrown. Certainly it was a very rigid structure which could be kept together mostly by force and coercion. And by barricading itself and its citizens from the rest of the world. Even so, the Soviet regime had some staggering achievements. It transformed Russia from a mostly peasant society to a modern industrial state. It vanquished Hitler's armies during World War II. And it became a world leader in science. The space pilot whom the Russians have deified as the man of the century arrives at the airport outside of Moscow for his first public appearance. On April 14, 1961, Soviet cosmonaut Yuri Gagarin became the first man to orbit the Earth. Major Gagarin's initial function is a long red-carpeted walk to the platform, where Khrushchev greets him. Gagarin puts party first by thanking the communists for the opportunity. Four years earlier, the Soviets had launched Sputnik, the world's first satellite, it was the height of the Cold War and the beginning of the space race. Khrushchev interrupts with a Russian bear hug and kiss as Yuri's pictures are waved. There have been grumblings in Russia about the cost of the space program, but that is forgotten today. Soviet leaders continued to pour money into space and military programs. By the early 1980s, the Soviet Union had more tanks, troops, and nuclear weapons than any other nation on Earth. 
Again, Andrei Grachev. The Soviet Union was competitive in one sector, which was this military economy, but at the price of destroying the rest of the economy and the, the standard of living of most of its population. When Mikhail Gorbachev became general secretary of the Communist Party in 1985, the Soviet economy was in a state of near collapse. He realized something has to be done. We can no longer live like this. This was a common line. Masha Lipman is a political analyst at the Carnegie Endowment in Moscow. A common word that people used to describe the period of late stagnation was merasmus, and it was marrasm. In Russian, it was this very strong r, because the system was, it was in a state of degradation, and everyone saw it. It was an economy of shortages. Soviet citizens spent hours standing in line for basic necessities. The gap between the official communist rhetoric and reality was a mile wide. Yeah, the ideology that had been the part and parcel of the system early on, after all, it was an ideological empire, this ideology had grown hollow and uh, became totally hypocritical. The Soviet people are... Gorbachev tried to rescue the system by allowing private enterprise and ending the Communist Party's monopoly on power. He also vowed to slash military spending and end the Cold War. There will be profound changes in our country along the lines of continued perestroika, democratization, and radical economic reform. Then, in June of 1987, President Ronald Reagan stood in front of Berlin's Brandenburg Gate and dared him to do even more. General Secretary Gorbachev, if you seek peace, if you seek prosperity for the Soviet Union and Eastern Europe, If you seek liberalization, come here to this gate. Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this wall. Two years later, Gorbachev allowed that to happen. From the west side of the Berlin Wall at the Brandenburg Gate, I'm Tom Brokaw. And the sound that you hear and what you're seeing tonight, not hammers and sickles, but hammers and chisels as young people take down this wall bit by bit. In an interview on Russian television earlier this year, Gorbachev said he knew he was doing the right thing by letting the Eastern European satellites go, but it was still hard. And it was so moving because he admitted it. Political analyst Masha Lippmann. He, as a person who inherited this huge empire, felt that there's something very wrong about them suddenly setting free of us. I mean, we are the boss. We are the master. We're at the center of this universe. But he let them go. The fall of the Berlin Wall sent shockwaves throughout the non-Russian republics on the Soviet Union's periphery. Andrei Grachev says that during his last months in power, Gorbachev was trying to transform the USSR into a voluntary federation. But once it became clear he would not use force or fear, to keep the USSR together, the whole structure imploded. Because after all, uh, one of the elements of keeping uh, together this huge historic and geographic reality was fear. But the USSR wasn't just destroyed by the forces of nationalism. The collapse of communism unleashed something even more powerful, greed and lawlessness. Perhaps that's what Gorbachev was warning about in his farewell address to the nation on Christmas Day of 1991. This society has acquired freedom. It has been freed politically and spiritually. And this is the most important achievement that we have yet to fully come to grips with. And 
we haven't because we haven't learned to use freedom yet. People in this country are ceasing to be citizens of a great power, Gorbachev concluded. Boris Kapustin, a visiting professor of ethics and politics at Yale University, says in the end, the collapse of the Soviet Union turned out to be a great misfortune for most of the population. We are increasingly becoming the third world nation in any respects. I mean, a huge, incredible decline of the Soviet slash Russian science, I mean, decline of our universities. I mean, this is just a disaster. This is not just an economic disaster. This is a cultural disaster as well. Valery Solovey, a professor of history at Moscow State Institute for International Relations, thinks this might explain the current protests against the Putin regime. The Russians hate their authorities. Solovey doesn't think most Russians want to return to socialism, but they'd like to have a functioning state. Even very rich people can't receive normal health care functioning, education for their children. They can't receive. It means that the social system doesn't work now. And the authorities don't function too. And the Russians understand it. They see it. And this is a problem. In other words, it's not over yet. 20 years later, the Soviet Union is still collapsing. For The World, I'm Bridget McCarthy.